that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage, and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed and to which we are committed today at home and around the world. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men number 43, the April 1968 issue entitled, The Torch is Past. Yes, the cover features the X-Men featuring the power of Magneto. Yes, I'm assuming that sales must be uh, going down, that they're taking the X-Men title and making it very small and featuring the power of Magneto. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to, last uh, last issue was the death of Professor X in big, bold letters, so it's like uh, they're, they're, they're bringing out all the stops here, or they're not holding back on any of the stops. They're killing off a main member, they're bringing back one of the more popular villains. I can't wait to see what they do next issue. Magneto looks really weighty on the cover of this issue. He has a very large mouth. <laughs> he's He's got some thunder thighs. <laughs> he is drawn very large. Uh, he's about three times the size of the rest of the X-Men. For some reason, Cyclops is uh, swinging in on a rope. <laughs> As he is wont to do. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Indiana Jones there. <laughs> the beast is climbing up Magneto's leg. Um, Angel is flying in, of course. And then Iceman and Marvel Girl are just kind of being shot away. Although, Iceman's got a very interesting pose there, doesn't he? He just looks like he's shouting really loud. No! And Marvel Girl is being thrust aside by the power of Magneto's groin. <laughs> oh my, it's so large. Oh, I'm, I'm a little flustered here. I'm just going to fall over. Yeah, so let's get into it, folks. Magneto is back, everybody. Adam, you kind of gave us a rundown of what Magneto has been up to. He was, what, found by the the Avengers and tricked? Uh, yeah, he returned uh, of his own plan and appeared in the Avengers magazine where he tricked uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch into believing that the human races totally hated them and and uh, that he they should rejoin the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, and in doing so, he manipulated a bullet from some dudes, from some UN member's gun to strike Scarlet Witch, causing her to lose her powers. Yes. Okay. So that pretty much catches us up. And as we open the comic, uh, we, well, first of all, the art's a little bit different because for whatever reason, Don Heck will not be joining us. Oh, wait, actually, it says right here. He's drawing whatever uh, issue of Spider-Man is occurring at the same time. Yep. So we get the wonderful artwork of George Tuska. Which, honestly, I think is a step up from Don Heck. Do you? 
Yeah, I really don't like Don Heck. <laughs> I remain skeptical, but we can get into the art a little bit as we as we go on. But I, I in some cases, agree with you, and in some cases, don't. And I guess I'll just point out along the way where I disagree. Um, I'm impressed by most of the facial features of Magneto in this issue. Yeah. Uh, Roy Thomas is back uh, writing with us, and John Tartaglioni is inking, and Sam Rosen is lettering. So we've got uh, a little bit of the old and uh, some of the new. I did try to do a little bit of research on George Tuska. Now, granted, it wasn't a whole lot, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I have this thing that somebody bought for me uh, at a garage sale. It's the 1994 Encyclopedia of Comic Books. It's pretty, wow. yeah. It's pretty neat. It's like a coffee table hardcover thing with full color pictures, and it goes through like the spirit and you know uh, Aquaman, Superman, and and basically comics all around. And it talks about some of the artists and some of the um, um, uh, writers as well. And uh, actually, as I was flipping through it earlier, I saw a little entry in there for Don Heck, in which I think we've already gotten a, a, a better rundown of it. He was more of a different type of artist and kind of got roped into doing the superheroes um so i was like wow i should look up george tusca in this thing and see if i can find out what his past is he doesn't get an entry oh (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know if this maybe this is his entry i don't know apparently he didn't really make a huge split he didn't make a big enough splash in the comics industry to make it into the 1994 comics encyclopedia that's all I'm trying oh, to say. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyways, so uh, the torch is passed, as it says here. Uh, Magneto is on the. Uh, he, he's in his lair or something. He has. He he's has risen from his throne, apparently. Yeah, he has a uh, globe, a video screen, which is in the shape of a globe. Which is which is kind of neat on on a machine, of course, because it seems like anytime we ever get an issue with Magneto, he's surrounded by these crazy contraptiony machines, mm-hmm. and this is definitely no different. Uh, and in this globe is a, a sullen X Men group in their civilian clothes. And so, while I like the artist's rendering of Magneto, his throne, and even his machine, I don't like the globe renderings of the X Men. I don't think they're very good. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah. It's just that's just me. Uh, so, anyways, he's he's all mad. So, what, what, there's a couple of things here. So, he talks about all oh, the accursed mentor. The X Men is dead at last, and it was not at my hands. And I'm so angry at them. And Quicksilver, come here. Where's my sandwich? Uh, or, <laughs> or something along those lines. But what this tells me is since he, he um, since he has this globe video shot of the X-Men at a funeral, it tells me he's got, like, some sort of cameras in the cemetery? Um, I'm betting it's some sort of magnetic control over the ionic sphere of videography. Ah, it's a magnetic uh, r- rendering. This machine is a video camera orb machine. <laughs> gotcha. So there's no there's no video cameras in the cemetery providing Magneto with this live video feed. Well, if you if you look, he's using some sort of magnetic powers on it. That's like true. Coming from his hand there. Yeah, I didn't even actually realize that until just now. Huh. So maybe there's like a satellite in the sky and he's manipulating it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, anyways, yeah, he's uh, he's upset that he wasn't the one to take out uh, Cyclops, and he's also yelling at Cy- or, uh, Qu- uh, Quicksilver. 
Yes, he needs Quicksilver immediately to do some sort of plan. So we go to, we cut to the cemetery in which uh, Spock is conducting the uh, <laughs> the funeral. Uh, there's a pastor, or Spock's in his pastor gear. He's beamed I down was, from the Enterprise. I was actually going to say the same thing. <laughs> I mean, come on, he's got the black hair cut there, and his ears are actually a little bit pointed there, a little bit, if you look in there. Uh, and he's talking about how illogical it is for mutants and humans to fight one another and uh, how we should all get along. Now he's he's got his standard speechy. He was he mankind is poor for his passing, and he was a good man type speech. It's... And Cyclops thinks to himself, he's referring to the fact that he was a teacher, but only a handful of us know how he protected humanity as leader of the X Men. Angel states the obvious: the professor is dead. No, oh, the professor dot 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 dead. <laughs> <laughs> And somebody else, I think it's either Beast or Angel. It still doesn't seem possible. So they're all in mourning. Uh, as you look around, you see nobody else here at this funeral. It is just the five of them. Yeah. Scott comforts Jean Grey, holds her in his arms. Steady, Jean. The professor would want it that way. So this panel, the second panel here of Cyclops holding Jean, First of all, he no longer looks like he's 17. He looks like he's about 40 in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, he looks like what I think an like a like a Robert Wagner would have looked like in his prime. Do you know, do you know what I mean like that sort of late 60s early 70s movie star cuz especially he's got he's got his uh hair kind of in a wispy wave and he's got his black sunglasses on. He's got that mm -hmm. overcoat with the collar kind of cocked upward. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, the X-Men have uh, instantly aged apparently 20 years since we last yeah. saw them. Actually, all of them are looking pretty old. Uh, yeah. Bobby and Beast are also looking a little bit older. I wonder if it's the forehead wrinkles. It would be interesting. To, I'm sure Jack Kirby didn't draw any forehead wrinkles, and I'm not really sure about Don Heck. But look look at the next panel. Okay, so Quicksilver starts... He runs in for some reason. We don't quite know why. He's pushing people aside. But look at his face. He looks really old there, too. <laughs> He's really old in that image. Uh, and so Quicksilver, for some reason, is running must faster, must have more speed. If I'm too late, I could never forgive myself. He apparently wants to make it to the funeral. Must keep out of sight so the X-Men don't notice me. And... Um, Beast kind of gives us a little uh, rundown now of uh, the past of uh, the Professor leading us against battles with Magneto and the Sentinels and deadly foes. But all of a sudden he's cut off by um, Warren who says, Hey, isn't that Quicksilver over there? Well, Warren actually says, Warren, all of you, look by that tree. <laughs> You're right. He calls himself <laughs> by his own name. <laughs> Me, all of you, look at that tree. How odd, I didn't even notice that. Okay. Yeah, very strange. All right. Uh, yes, okay, so Warren points out to himself and the rest of the X-Men that there's somebody by that tree, and it's actually Marvel Girl who says, what? It's Quicksilver. So the X-Men immediately all run over to Quicksilver. Quicksilver's surprised, it, sort of, half half surprised, I knew they might see me when I obeyed my ancestral impulse, my irresistible impulse to attend Xavier's funeral. I wonder, did I subconsciously wish to be seen? Yeah, yeah, that must okay. be it. Okay. 
Here he looks really old. Yeah, yeah. He's got those big black eyes, too. He looks like he's guilty of something. I'm just going to say that everybody's very sad about the professor, and so they've aged a lot. Maybe but it, they'll be back to their normal ages once they get used to the professor's death. Could be. Cyclops comes up to uh, approaches. They all leave the funeral, basically, and approach um, Quicksilver. Uh, and uh, Cyclops is just kind of wondering, like, what what's going on? He's not really going in for the attack, but Quicksilver, who's always kind of the uh, uh, suspicious type, he's like, oh, here come the X-Men, or X-Men, getting ever so close. They mean to capture me. I just know it. And so he runs away. I would like to point out in this panel that Quicksilver's hair from the back looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it does. He's got, like, two little poofy ponytails. Yeah, it looks like two... Or pigtails or something. Two pigtails on the front of his head if they were combed backward. Right. It's very silly. And so as soon as Cyclops gets near, Quicksilver runs away. So that whole thing there was basically for Quicksilver to run in and run away. Magneto was right. I can trust no one. No one save him. So basically he he's reaffirmed his status that he needs to be a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, I, and so uh, the X Men are kind of like, well, I don't get it. We just kind of want to talk to him. Maybe he was, you know, maybe we could have talked to him, or maybe he wanted to pay his respects to the professor. And it's at this point that Spock comes up and he's like, "Hey, have you forgotten <laughs> about what's going on here? Trying to do a funeral." <laughs> Beast grabs a nearby tree and throttles it. <laughs> I'm so angry. I will strangle this <laughs> tree. Uh, Cyclops puts a little dialogue in here so that we as the audience know that uh, Spock didn't actually see anything. He says, luckily, he didn't turn around in time to see Pietro run off. So I don't buy this because there's only five of them at the funeral, and if they all walk <laughs> away, where is the Reverend's eyes going to drift? Is it going to stay on the professor, or is it going to be like, what? Wait, hey, hey. <laughs> he was so entranced with his own speech that it took him this long to realize the X-Men were gone. Yeah. Amen. A, a man, hello, a man. Uh, oh, what are you guys doing over here? <laughs> All right. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, at at uh, Magneto's lair, he's uh, he's fist pumping like he normally does, uh, and um, he we're still looking. Now he's not using his little video orb magnetic thing. He's watching TV. Yeah, he's got a fifty-inch uh, pan, uh, Panasonic. Uh, widescreen monitor here. Yeah, that's definitely HD, no doubt about it. And uh, not only that, uh, whoever's filming this, wherever this camera, it's like a low shot aimed up at them. Yeah. uh, Evoking some sort of uh, emotion here or something like that. Uh, So, you know, props to Magneto for uh, uh, good filmography. (laughs) (laughs) He could have been a cinematographer, but no, he wanted to be a supervillain. He wanted to take over the world. (laughs) <laughs> so now he's kind of like, well, all right, Xavier's dead. Uh, now uh, is the time for me to take out those protégés, and I will do that soon. He's also pretty ticked off at Quicksilver for having supposedly betrayed him by showing up at the funeral. Yeah. Yep. Especially when he was looking for him. Exactly. You don't do anything when Magneto's looking for you. Who is going to give Magneto his sandwich? <laughs> Certainly not Quicksilver. So then we cut back to the mansion. The X-Men uh, are, are... Apparently Cyclops wears his uh, X-Men outfit 
wherever he goes. Well, I think they all do. <laughs> well, Marvel Girl... Oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're taking off their civilian clothes, and they're just getting right into their X-Men uniforms. I mean, Bobby presumably is not wearing anything underneath <laughs> his civilian clothes, and then just ices up. Yeah. Uh, and Cyclops says, uh, you know, there's a little... Um, uh, oh, right. They talk about how nobody else could be there because Fred Duncan dared not come because somebody might wonder why. Banshee's on a mission, and I don't know. Apparently the professor knows nobody else, so that's why <laughs> nobody else came. But um, we know that nobody was at the funeral, so nobody would have wondered about Fred Duncan. Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. but Except for Spock. Spock would have been like, Fred Duncan? How <laughs> illogical that you're here. Unless you're part of some sort of secret FBI mutant thing. Task force. Task force. So Cyclops reveals that the professor had him push a... a uh, told him to press a special button if he ever dot, dot, dot left us. Which happens to be concealed behind a pastoral painting. Where do you get that? That's right there in the yellow box. Oh, <laughs> I was looking for a pastoral painting, but little did I know, I just had to read. Yeah, they don't show it to us. They just tell us about it. Uh, so a little projector comes sliding out of the wall. And... A little projector? This is a huge projector. <laughs> well, actually, it kind of looks like a furnace because it's, it's, it's round and it comes jutting out of the wall. and It looks like it has flames on the inside. So it's like, okay, Marvel Girl, now the professor wanted us to sacrifice you to the gods. So into the fire you go. What? Cyclops, I love you. <laughs> now, she says, uh, it's some sort of strange projector, which even we didn't know about. Why can the professor have hidden it thus, even from us? Jesus. Well, big surprise. Because he hid everything from you people. <laughs> he didn't tell you anything. He didn't show you anything. He just made you do what he told you. And then he died. Why are you still in the mansion? Why don't you go to your homes? You're not getting a stipend anymore. <laughs> you didn't get much of a stipend to begin with, and I can't imagine he left you anything. <laughs> so uh, the video screen, I guess, shows a video of the professor, but if you look at the next panel, the video screen looks way different than the camera that came jutting out of the wall. Well, I'm assuming that this, like, out of the opposite wall was a screen. And now the projector is projecting onto the screen. So you think that big contraption-y inferno-looking furnace was actually a projector? Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's where all their stipend money went. The professor well, you lit- gotta, you got to understand, projectors back in the day were high technology and therefore were gigantic. Yeah, but the professor literally could have written his message on a piece of paper and saved everybody a lot of hassle and money. <laughs> His nope, me- he needed to get a projector. His message says, and again, could have been written down, listen, my X-Men, to this message I've prepared for you to hear after my death. Okay, that's half the message. <laughs> it's just him telling the X-Men to listen to the message. I have so much to say and a final request to make of you, and so little time, so little time. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, it's so hard to believe he's missing. I oh, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> For the past few weeks, I've been, I have known that I was dying, dying of a disease which neither medical science nor my own mutant powers can cure. Therefore, I have been attempting to complete the final stages of your training so that you may carry on when I'm gone. And they, oh, Iceman. So, Iceman, uh, apparently after the funeral, iced up, 
then Ooh. went into the theater room and iced down and is now sitting there naked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at the panel, the Beast is, is in his uniform and Iceman is just sitting there shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's got his underwear on. You don't know. He couldn't see through his ice tears. <laughs> I'm so sad. I better de-ice. Marvel Girl's got her face buried in her hands. Professor continues, Moreover, so that my mental powers may not be entirely lost to you, I have been secretly preparing Jean Grey. And Lost. so this is a pretty momentous message, and yet the X-Men are like talking around it and not really acknowledging the message that's being told here. Angel's like, well, I, I thought he didn't care about us. Iceman's like, well, and he was just... All this time he was training her to take over some of his own power. Is that the message that he's giving them, though? By now she should have added telepathy to her... Mind over matter abilities. Mind over matter abilities? That's not her power. Well, her mind has control over matter. Yeah, I guess, but that's like... <laughs> I, I don't look, know. I, it's, a, it's, it's a bad <laughs> phrase, let's put it that way. But that's pretty cool. Now we know what uh, the Professor and Jean Grey were doing in secrecy for the past few issues. Yeah, I bet you this will be retconned. Well, I'm impressed that they had the fortitude to follow through with this for, like, four issues. Yeah, that's true. To plant the seed and then to actually, like, okay, remember all that stuff we were doing? Here's the payoff. Yay. Uh, so the professor continues on for, if my calculations are correct, you'll soon be called upon to face one of the greatest mutant menaces of all time. It is my belief that Magneto has returned to Earth. And apparently the X-Men already know this. Yes. <laughs> but... He must have made this film before the Avengers do of Magneto's escape. Ah, yes, it does say that here. Mm -hmm. And now I have no time left for I have just learned the location of the sinister subhuman nose grotesque and I must stop him before he destroys the planet. Well, that didn't work very well. Yes, if I should fail or should perish, which is the same thing in my attempt. Not really. You, you can <laughs> fail without perishing, and you can perish without failing. They're not oh, this. I suppose so. <laughs> this brief film will say what I myself could not. And now, farewell. <laughs> <laughs> the torch has been passed, and I know you shall be worthy of it. No, no, that can't be the end. It can't. It won't be, Gene. As the professor himself recognized, we must now carry on and make a new beginning. I'm going to leave. <laughs> so I'm still confused By now she should have added telepathy To her mind over matter abilities So Did we unlock a hidden power Or did the professor literally Take a piece of his power And give it to Marvel Girl I don't know <laughs> In this particular continuity Without thinking of anything that happens in the future I'm going to guess that he unlocked a, a facet of her mutant abilities. Okay, but Iceman does say all this time the prof was training her to take over some of his own powers. Well, either that or you can pass on mutant abilities. Just be like, here you go. Why didn't Cyclops do that? Be like, here, have some of my eye beams. Like, if he gave some of his eye beams to each of the X-Men, they'd all be so weak that it probably wouldn't matter. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think they're literally giving the power. I think they're just showing them how to do it. Okay. Like, here, let me show you how to uh, shoot eyes, uh, beams from your eyes. Stare at that wall. 
Okay, now shoot (laughs) I-beams. It's not working. (laughs) What? (laughs) I've been trying for weeks. I'm still not killing anything with my eyes. I guess maybe we can't transfer powers. That professor's crazy. I'm glad he's dead. (laughs) All right, so then we cut back to Magneto's fortress. Where he is uh, taking a nearby ship, cargo ship, and pulling it onto the rocks and stealing supplies from it and letting the crew escape so that they can tell mankind the extent of his invincible might. He's not such a bad guy after all. Yeah, he says something about how he's getting more powerful and how he's stronger. You know, practice makes perfect. Yeah, he's been, he had a lot of time. I mean, when was the last time we saw Magneto in an X-Men comic? Do you remember off the top of your head? It's like 17 or 18. Yeah, it was when he fought If I Should Fail. That was the name yeah. of the issue with Iceman. When he, when he fought uh, Iceman. So it's been like two years in comic book time. Well, actually not in real time. I guess in comic book time that could be a couple months. But still, that's a lot of time to sit on a planet and practice your skills, I suppose. Yeah. yeah okay. And so a magnetic car zooms in, and it contains um, Quicksilver. And he's talking about this is his true destiny. And uh, he needs to stay here far from the maddened, maddening mob called humanity. A universe away from the life that I once I led as an Avenger. Hmm. Yep. So he opens the door of the... the, the, uh, futuristic uh, fortress that Magneto has created only to reveal what looks to be a European dungeons interior. <laughs> you know, Magneto's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I like my outside to look tough, but the inside needs those soft European touches. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he walks in the door and Toad comes out from behind something and says, Oh, it is I, the Toad, the one who's unswervingly loyal to Magneto. (laughs) (laughs) The Master will be most interested to hear that you came in so quietly, so stealthy. And he basically taunts Quicksilver and... I'm going to rat you out. Basically. goes For something that you're not even really doing. And he goes to tell on him, I'm going to go tell the Master. Master, Quicksilver scared me. <laughs> uh, and then at this point, um, Scarlet Witch comes out of wherever she was and uh, hugs Pietro, and they say, "Oh, I missed you. I'm such a burden on you. I thought you left me forever this time." Gosh, she's so needy. <laughs> well, she's without her powers right now, so she's super needy. Okay, and uh, I guess I don't know. I think it's I think it's Quicksilver is just like, "Oh man, the Avengers. I wonder if they could have helped us." And there's a little shot of the current Avengers and who's the guy with the uh headband is that Wonder Man oh maybe or yeah that's the only person I could think of I just figured it was some guy that got somehow into their his memories either that or it's like a really bad drawing of Hercules now Hercules has like a metal headband oh yeah I bet it is Hercules and but I think Hercules was in the Avengers. This I think Wonder Man's much later in the Avengers run. Yeah, Hercules is currently in the Avengers in those Avengers issues with Magneto. Yeah, but Hercules doesn't have this red cloth-looking headband, nor does he have black hair, and I think he has a beard. Oh yeah, huh. <laughs> that's not Hercules. I don't know who that is. But you got Jeez. Hawkeye, you've got uh, Captain America, and some iteration of Hank Pym, I would assume. Right. 
I don't know which. I never liked that guy. He's either Giant Man or Ant Man or stupid little guy. <laughs> so I don't know. Behind Behemoth. Was he a was he Behemoth at one point? I think so. I don't know. Goliath. Oh, Goliath. He was a Goliath too, as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't like him. Anyways, <laughs> it's a good thing he's not in this comic book, and we're not reviewing the Avengers. And then there's some Janet Pym. Oh yeah, she's in the middle there. Yep. Okay. And I'm I'm just gonna say that this is some guy that you know happens to be nearby when he's just some random guy that Avenger or uh, Quicksilver is thinking of. Uh, maybe he's a neighbor of the Avengers Mansion. Yeah, this is Fred, the mailman. <laughs> this is the man who mowed the lawn for the Avengers. Here's your avenging mailman. <laughs> okay, so they each reaffirm themselves to one another. It's kind of gross, actually. Quicksilver cries into Scarlet Witch's lap. Yeah, there's a little dialogue box here about, oh, he doesn't know if it's the big run he took or the grief of Professor X or seeing his sister's lingering illness, but he collapses. And um, I don't know. This panel is kind of kind of gross too it's like a brother and sister just a little too close for my tastes it's the 60s things like that weren't creepy it looks like he's breastfeeding though (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't mean to be gross and creepy but it's just not a i don't know it's it's kind of a creepy rendering i had hoped that charles (laughs) mike xavier might have been able to Okay, now now you just take you (laughs) you just took it too far. Too late. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm so embarrassed for you right now. (laughs) Uh, Yes, and so at this point, Magneto barges in and he is all upset at uh, Quicksilver. How could you go and visit the dead Professor X? And then he tosses up Toad to teach Toad a lesson. Shut up, you! I make you wear this metal belt so that I can chastise you occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least he's, like, flinging up uh, the toad with a little bit of, you know, physical uh, logic rather than just being able to magnetically control everything that's all around. Mm-hmm. So a little little good description there. And Quicksilver reminisces about, with each passing day, our leader becomes more cruel and more powerful. Yet he said he could help Wanda. So I'm sticking around. So I'm going to stay around for just a little bit longer. Even though earlier I had decided that I was going to stick around because humans hate me. Yeah, he's just, he's doing a lot of convincing of himself. He's he's conflicted. Yeah, totally. First of all, he's in love with his sister. (laughs) Second of all, he can't decide if he wants to be evil or good. And so, uh, at this point, Magneto catches a glimpse of Quicksilver and remembers how upset he was at Quicksilver, so he drops the toad and says, You! How dare you lie to me! You lie to my face! Do you deny that you left the island to witness Professor X's funeral? I deny nothing, but I went only out of sadness for the fate of one who understood what it meant to be an outcast. And I, you young fool, do you suppose that Magneto is not a truly your friend? Then that ever-human-loving traitor? And it goes on. I like this panel of Magneto. He looks very, like, sad. He, like, desperate. Yes, he looks in a desperate craze. His eyes. Won't you believe me? (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I really do. I only hit you because I care about you. Uh, Is it not I who labored night and day to create a device to cure your sister? 
Ah, so you say, but I have not seen proof of your labors. Enough. This is interesting. Lest I forget our long-standing friendship. I think this is the first time I think we've seen Magneto reference any of his relationships with his uh, teammates as a friendship. I wonder if this will get retconned as well. Well, we know we know it partially gets retconned. <laughs> that was uh yeah. Oh, were you making a joke? Kinda. I guess it okay. I guess it didn't work. Anyhow <laughs> uh they say, Well, you'll see. In a couple of days some equipment's gonna pass by here and then I'll have all the power I need to cure your sister. I don't trust him, Pietro. We should leave this island. We cannot wonder. Not yet. I'm making the decisions for the two of us now. <laughs> Don't you worry your pretty little head. I like this image of Wanda here. Yeah. She looks, she looks pretty. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, the Quicksilver looks kind of crazy, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so Magneto is standing on something. I don't know what. Maybe the top of his fortress. and He's standing on Toad. That could be. And uh, he's talking about uh, none of them suspecting his true intentions. Uh, but soon it won't matter because I'll have used them for what I need them and I can move on. He talks about how he controlled the bullet that caused Scarlet Witch to lose her powers. Yep. In case you weren't caught up with the Avengers. So, a couple of days later, just as Magneto predicted, a boat comes along and according to the radio reports, a giant computer which Magneto sorely needs is on that boat. And what Magneto needs, Magneto takes. What Magneto needs, Magneto takes. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so on the boat, uh, the, uh, there's a foot here. Yep, there's a foot and Cyclops. And yep. Cyclops is reaching for the foot. Yeah, and behind the foot, somebody is saying, don't look now, deputy leader, but it appears our magnetic fish just devoured the bait. So somebody fell over and somebody's talking to Cyclops. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, well, I believe the boat is moving. It is. And and it's causing everybody to fall over. Okay. Whoever's foot this is is falling backward. Right. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm uh, going to say it's, it's, uh, it's Beast. Or, no, it's, it's either Beast or Iceman. Yeah. Or Angel. I would, I think I'm going to go with Angel. Just because he's got nice pinstriped socks. The feet aren't big enough to be Beasts. We We know it's not Cyclops. Yes. He's in the frame. Or Marvel Girl. Yes. She's now wearing high heels. Because she would have said, Don't look now. Oh, Scott. And so apparently this is a trap that uh, I think Cyclops uh, concocted, maybe. Uh, yep. Using, uh, as we go forward a little bit, uh, using Angel's allowance to rent or charter this giant boat. Right. To which Beast comments that, so, some allowance with with the uh, with just a little more we could have bought the boat <laughs> but but what this really uh goes to show is that the professor left them nothing <laughs> right <laughs> angel has to use his own money to fight evil i told you no more stipends 
So uh, they they um, they get ready Magneto, for Magneto lifts the bolt boat right out of the water. Mm-hmm. It starts drawing it over. The X Men uh, get changed and get ready for for battle, and uh, uh, Magneto's like, "Dang it, I wasn't ready for him." <laughs> but that's okay. I'll I'll take him out anyways. Apparently, he wanted to uh, witness a slow, painful death maybe of the x-men i'm not sure it looks like he was drinking a glass of a mug of water or something it does and he just like ah, throws it on the ground smashes it yeah because there's a little handle on it and everything i think he was drinking a big cup of wine <laughs> good for him milk he was drinking milk. <laughs> probably because if this man would have drank some wine maybe he would have mellowed out a little bit because <laughs> if we go to the next page in the second panel, dude looks crazy. He looks completely crazy. I love it. <laughs> He's just got this giant mouth and these eyes that won't quit with huge dark circles around. This is the way I want my Magneto. Crazy and and powerful and yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's he's pumping his fist. He's 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 just mad. And uh, so yeah, if if uh, he's he's basically saying if they come attack me, that's that's it for them. They're done. He says that the computer on board the ship will is the final piece he needs to uh, build a machine that will bring him world mastery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at which point the minds of all homo sapiens will be enslaved and the isolated and despairing X-Men will have to kneel to him. My question is, if Cyclops hatched this plan and Angel paid off the ship captain, why did they bring the computer with them? <laughs> why didn't they just say they were bringing a computer? Well, the X-Men don't have that kind of sway. Ah, okay. Captain's like, look, this computer's not going to deliver itself. <laughs> I'll take you by that creepy Magneto Island, but uh, i got to bring the computer with me. Well, they were going by the creepy Magneto Island anyway. <laughs> okay. I, don't I think the, the, X-Men, the X-Men just... Hopped aboard the ship that was already going that way. Okay. X, uh, I don't know. Maybe Cyclops has been talking to Fred Duncan. Could be. All right. So uh, up the uh, stairs, the X Men go into the control room of Magneto, and uh, Toad's like, "What dire traps have you set for them, Master?" And Magneto's like, "I don't need traps, you, you fool." Yeah, to defeat these meddling morons. Look at his cape. It's like flying straight in the air as he walks calmly uh, over to the door. It's got metallic bands. There must be quite the updraft in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the X-Men, uh, Angel and Marvel Girl open the door and Magneto takes some, I don't know, metal construction material. and From the ceiling. From the ceiling and whacks it across their heads. Still letting metal do all your dirty work, eh? You magnetize malevolence as beast. And really, why would Magneto do anything else? <laughs> what else is he going to do? Although, didn't he punch somebody out in that one uh, If Ice yeah, Man should fail? Uh, so, Beast pulls out of his back pocket a giant flaming... I mean, where does he get this thing? <laughs> I don't know, because nowhere else in this comic does it show... It's like a big column with flames coming out of the top. It's a giant stone urn. Yeah. But the question is, why would Magneto have anything non-magnetic in his, like, palace at all? 
Well, but but I guess he does say even that stone urn contains billions of atoms of iron, you fool. Yeah. And then he destroys it. I don't know where this came from, but Beast apparently found it, set it on fire, dragged it over to Magneto, and then attempted to kick it on Magneto's head. <laughs> to which Magneto said, iron dummy, and destroyed it. <laughs> and Beast felt foolish. And Beast like, oh, well, I'm supposed to be the smart one here. I should have known the composition of this stone. <laughs> Quicksilver uh, shows up, speeding in for the attack. Uh, but in his mind, he's thinking, if I can stop the X-Men myself, perhaps they will not be harmed. Yeah, that's a genius plot. <laughs> uh, well, Cyclops does the same thing. He's like, oh, it's Quicksilver. Uh, I knew he'd be here, but I'd hope he'd refrain from attacking, but I still can't bring myself to use my optic blasts against him. So they're both pulling their punches uh, to not hurt each other for various reasons. I don't know why Mag- or I don't know why Quicksilver thinks that he can stop what he can achieve by trying to stop the X-Men by himself that yeah, would spare I mean, him from Magneto. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's also planning on running them all away one by one. <laughs> uh, Magneto apparently realizes this plan or something, but he's like, you're too slow, Pietro. This is much more effective. And he lifts up some um, uh, flooring that's also metal, and Cyclops is once again, just like last issue, upside down. See, yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense because the floor would be made of metal. The ceiling would be made of metal. Everything would be made of metal so that Magneto would have like the ultimate fortress for himself. Mm-hmm. At this, Except for this stone urn. And then we go to um, Toad who's like, oh, look at me, Master. I can take out four X-Men all by myself. He pulls a lever which shoots out a... A uh, ram-headed battering ram. <laughs> and, and the the X-Men just happened to be standing in front of this machine. <laughs> now, uh, it it takes out everybody but Cyclops, I guess, because we, we see Beast, we see Angel, and we see Marvel Girl, and then we see a fourth X-Man in old X-Men togs. Well, it's got to be Cyclops, because but otherwise it, Angel wears pants. Well, Angel, Angel doesn't wear pants. Angel's right there, but Iceman's... Or uh, Ice, Iceman, I mean. Yeah. Well, I agree. Iceman does not wear pants. He usually wears little shorts and then ices up. But in the next panel, we get a little dialogue that says, Then suddenly, a fifth masked figure steps into the fore. Oh, so it is Iceman, and they just miscolored him. Well, I don't... I don't know, man. I... I don't think they miscolored him. I think they misdrew him because he's not even, he doesn't even have ice shapings on him. Mm, Yeah. Oh, well. Anyways. All right. So, but then Cyclops comes out and says, let's see how this thing fares against Cyclops. And he blasts it. He's shattering it into fragments of scattered metal. Yeah, which which would be perfectly safe uh, when you're with a master of magnetism. But <laughs> it doesn't really matter because, as it turns out, the floor is electrified, and all Magneto needs to do is pull a lever, and all of the X-Men are zapped unconscious, and thus the X-Men are defeated for the final time. Wow. <laughs> I was reading this issue and I was kind of getting into it at this point. I was like, all right, we got some battle. And then he's like, okay, now I'll flip this lever and you're all electrocuted. I'm like, well, why did we go through all of this fighting if all you needed the X-Men to do is walk in the room and then you could have flipped that handle? 
Well, he needed them to step right on the correct panel of flooring. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I, I'm with him with it. Maneuver them over there in front of the battering ram. Okay, good, good. Now do the battering ram thing. Okay. Now maneuver them. Over. Okay, I got the electrified floor. All right. Go. All right, got them. <laughs> Yay. Next issue is called Red Raven, Red Raven. Send Toad right over. Okay, well that was the uh that was the end of our first fantastic tale. And yes. so next we have uh what what last issue promised, the beginning of the origin of Iceman. Wait. That's not what's happening here. This says call him Cyclops. What the hell's <laughs> going on here? Did Special last... note. Put down that pencil, Pilgrim. No, we're definitely not discontinuing our popular origins of the X-Men series. We're just interrupting it for an ish as our way to, of keeping you on your toes. Somebody dropped the ball in the planning uh, <laughs> department. We were supposed to be treated with an Iceman origin. All right. I guess uh, what we're going to see now is uh, written by Roy Thomas and drawn by Werner Roth. Artie Simic is uh, lettering and John... For Putin is, I don't know what he's doing. He's inking. He's inking, but it doesn't really say it. Well, they do. They say none but our ever-loving inker could possibly expect letterer Artie Simek to spell a name like John Verporten. Uh, I guess you got to read the whole dang thing to get the whole thing yep. to get the message out of there. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess last issue they did also promise a revealing tale of how Cyclops's power works. And as I looked at it, I was like, okay, we're going to get a pinup, one pinup, and then like little uh, uh, arrows pointing to the various elements of Cyclops with some, some call-outs of like, this is how his power works, this is how his visor works, this is how he recharges. But we get a five-page, I don't even think I'd call it a story. No, it's not really a story. I mean, maybe we can just call out things that are interesting. Nothing. All right, we're done. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Oh, no, there's there, there's All a few right. interesting things that I didn't know, like the fact that uh, Cyclops gets his power from the sun. You didn't know that? Nope, didn't oh. no idea. Okay. So, okay, we start off, uh, well, we did the start off. He can blow up a tank, apparently. Uh, we talk about how his power comes from the sun, like you said, and what we'll learn later is that all of these summer's boys' powers come from the sun. Ooh. Mm, boom. So that doesn't necessarily get retconned. What I do think gets retconned, though, is it says, Scott's piercing brown eyes, I did not know he had brown eyes, act as a miniature yet ultra-effective solar battery storing up light as do the plants about us. So that I didn't know, and I don't think that that sticks. And it works uh, since virtually all natural light on Earth comes directly or indirectly from the sun. A small amount of power is produced even at night. So what this infers, to, oh, and it also says, like, even when he's sunbathing and his eyes are closed, still a little bit of that light gets through his little uh, uh, eyelids. Uh, what this is telling me is that, so he stores power like a battery, but he also needs to be charged up at all times, which is why we get this little moonlight shot here of Cyclops. Um I think that that goes away. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that remains. That's a little too complicated. And okay, so this this there's this panel here of uh, where they're talking about Cyclops's brown eyes. What's in front of his eyes? Are those supposed to be his glasses? Yeah, those are spectacles. Oh, it looks like a monocle. 
because it doesn't have the uh, thing that goes around your ear. It's just well, kind you know, of... it's it's like a uh, like a cross hatch drawing or something. Mm. All right. So uh, on the next page, uh, they talk about uh, his visors made out of ruby quartz, and they don't know why. Yeah, that's fine by me. You don't have to explain everything. And here it says a simple press of the stud on the side of my visor, even though last issue it was a turn of the stud. Ah, yes, they keep changing that around. He but that doesn't really bother me. He can uh, he can open his visor and and narrow it so it creates like a wide beam or a focused beam or stuff like that. The older he gets, the stronger and less time it takes for him to recharge his power. Mm -hmm. thought he, that was kind of interesting. He can run out of power. So, like, you know, just like if you're running a marathon at some point, you hit the wall. Well, Cyclops' power will hit a wall after a while. He can... His power does not... It only generates force, not heat. I didn't know that either. I guess, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I, you've never... I, I never really thought about it, but you've never seen Cyclops' powers start anything on fire. Right. So I guess I, I guess maybe I just assumed that there was no heat. I don't know. I never really thought about it. But, uh, yeah, so there's an image here of him repulsing the bus, uh, a runaway bus, a driverless bus. So I don't know why, but somehow a bus got out of control with a bunch of kids on it, and Cyclops had to get in the way and stop it with his with his eye beams. It's rolling down a hill backwards. And we get another demonstration. Somebody rolls a rock or a boulder down at him, and he's able to use his power to stop it and then actually repel it back to who's um, rolling it down to him. They show an example of him narrowing his beam to get through some tight machinery. Much like, what, issue 9, I think it was? Yeah, with, with the one with Lucifer. With Lucifer, where he made his uh, very narrow beam. Um they talk about here, like, well, he might be able to get the same effect by squinting, but our way is more dependable. I would have never thought that. <laughs> I don't think squinting would do anything. It makes more sense for his visor to do something to make a microscopic beam. Uh, they talk about how his ray blasting goes several hundred yards, but they don't know how far, and that the strength of it diminishes the farther it travels. It makes sense. Uh, he kills a um, buffalo here, apparently, yeah. <laughs> for no reason, just to demonstrate his power. Uh, and then it actually, they, apparently there have been some shots where his hands were uh, um, restrained, and yet he still uses optic blasts. And to explain that away, they say he's basically got like a little Spider-Man button in his palm that he can push to open his visor. Which makes me wonder if we go back a bunch of old issues, if there are any where he isn't wearing his costume and isn't pressing his visor. That would be something that we could do. But I'm not going to do it. So. I'm not I, I'm <laughs> not going to. If there's a listener out there that remembers that, I, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to look into that. <laughs> and for some reason it also says that uh, if, his, if his hand things don't work and he can't get to his eye studs, he can still punch somebody. Sock. <laughs> and then there's a panel here of us wondering what it would be like for Cyclops to blast against Thor or the Hulk and who would win. And they say they don't know yet. They don't know yet. And to my knowledge, I don't believe Cyclops has ever fought Thor or the Hulk. Ah, but now we're in the middle of Avengers versus X-Men. Oh. So maybe, maybe soon we'll find out. I can't wait. 
it took them this long. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Um, we go to the letter section, and we get next, the high-flying angel battles the Red Raven, whoever that is. Plus it's origin time again as the Iceman cometh. Thank goodness. Woot. And there you go, the, the triumphant return whoops, of Magneto. And uh, the fact that Professor X has stayed dead. Woo! <laughs> yes. Uh, so we did get, I wanted to point out, um, uh, we, we got uh, a Facebook like from somebody. Normally I don't, we don't point out Facebook likes, but this one comes from Anna Bernal, I think is how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that it struck me is I, I tapped on her name and her little banner on Facebook is the X-Men family tree, which is pretty neat. Uh, it's got some kind of cartoony drawings. I see Magneto connected. I'm not really sure who some of these renderings are, but I see a Magneto. I see a Juggernaut. I think I see a Storm. I think I see a um, Changeling and uh, and then a bunch of other people that I can't quite tell who they are. But You've never seen this before? No, no, no. I've never seen this. Am I? Oh, waiting? yeah. You should look it up. Uh, Google X Men Family Tree, and it uh, it's quite more detailed than just this. Okay. Well, she's got it as a little header, and I thought that was neat. And I did just click on it, and it gets much more uh, in depth. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Okay. So there's Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch attached to Magneto. But who's this guy with the green M on his mask? Uh, I don't know. Oh, that must be Polaris, because I see a little ponytail coming off the side. Okay. And then Polaris, oh, it is, because then Polaris has got a dotted line to Havoc. Uh, okay, all right, it's all coming together here. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so check uh, Anna Anna Bernal. Apparently she's a big X-Men fan, or, or something. How is Magneto related to Rogue? Uh, he dated her. <laughs> Oh, I think okay. there's like one of the uh, like X Men three fifty or somewhere way oh, up I there. See. There's like yeah, a dated. Yeah, the, the the blue dotted line means dated. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else here? Arthur W. Painter he wrote us uh, also again to um, clarify a couple of points that that we made a mistake on. Uh, first of all, uh, Professor X and the X Men is uh, retellings of the Stan and Jack stories um, drawn by other people. <laughs> and X-Men The Hidden Years was the one that you were talking about. Correct. He says me, but I think he means you. In fact, I know he means you. Yeah. Uh, and that's... I'd never read uh, Professor X and the X-Men. I've seen them around. I've never picked them one up or read one. Uh, but the Hidden Years, I picked up a couple of those, and uh, as he says here, they were all right, but took them forever to get anywhere, which is exactly how I felt as I picked up like the first three or four. Where it's like, this is just not going anywhere. And uh, he so also, he also, we agree. Yeah. So he also um, confirmed something that we heard earlier as well is that the classic X Men issues were director's cuts in that they actually did insert uh, panels in between panels to clarify the example he gives here. Nightcrawler explains that he can't teleport into places he's not familiar with, so Cyclops has Banshee do some 
uh, Sonic screaming to be a sonar, and apparently that didn't e- exist in the original issue, uh, so they put it into the classic X-Men issue. So that's kind of neat, but that kind of makes me wonder if we should we should actually do classic X-Men. I kind of maybe just want to stick to like the stories as they were originally written. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's so far away. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Maybe maybe that's the next poll is. Do we do classic X-Men, or do we just do them as they were written? Uh, so there you go. If, if you have an opinion on that, why don't you visit our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. What else do we got going on? Uh, another iTunes review, which is fantastic, folks. Keep it up. We'd love to see those. Yeah, it's Jeremy's birthday. I mean, come on. Yeah, I want some happy birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This was from Thanos Six, and he says that apparently there was a Spider-Man Classics podcast that recently uh, ceased production, and we're apparently filling that void. So happy to do that. Very cool. Yep. So yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, those are a couple of vehicles in which you can do that, or you can visit our webpage at DangerRoom.com forward slash. I'm sorry, RedCatProductions.com forward slash DangerRoom. Or email us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. Go to our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash dangerroompodcast. Or check our Twitter at dangerroomgo. There you go. What did you think of the issue? Oh, uh, eh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's actually, I got to... this issue moved a lot faster for me than some of the previous issues. It was almost it was it was almost a complete action issue. I was actually surprised when it ended so fast. This might sound uh, not shallow, but there was a a lot of um, four panel layouts in this comic, and mm-hmm. Don Heck seems to do a lot of six panel layouts, and then of mm-hmm. course um, they're so. Roy Thomas is so wordy with everything. He's got to pack so many words into each panel that it was a little refreshing, actually, to have a few less panels, which meant a few less bits of dialogue. Um, Mm. So that was kind of nice. Maybe that doesn't make as much sense because it's less content, but it just made it go a little bit quicker and be a little bit more... Like I said, you know, I got to the the last page of, uh, you know, where Magneto threw the switch. I was like, what? It's over? Yeah, yeah, I was I was the same way. So I thought it was a little abrupt ending. So at least that means maybe the first part was uh, it moved for me, anyways. I enjoyed it. It's good to see Magneto Magneto <laughs> back, <laughs> and uh, you know, always good to see the classic villains. With waning sales, I wonder if we'll see other classic X Men villains in upcoming issues. Quite possibly. We'll have to... The only way to see folks is to come back and continue checking us out. True, true, true that, yo. All right, well, until next time, the danger room is closed. 